Welcome everyone to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. This may be shocking for you, but I don't trust you. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 205, One-Eyed Jacks, is brought to you by Battle Barbells. Beat the snot out of your workout. Happy Sunday, Pete. Glad to be starting our second full week of Punisher here, continuing to race through them. Uh, no God friended me on the schedule this week, so uh, that making us uh, giving us the opportunity to spend a little bit more time with Frank Castle and company. Yes, uh, racing, I think, is the wrong word. I think the show is really starting to pick up. Great first episode, a little bit of a low, and then, you know, we've been on a steady climb ever since. Just dropped our Star Trek Discovery uh, podcast for episode 202 yesterday. So Fantastic Geek continues to crank on. Matt, take us to the recap. Amy is having Frank watch the Jacks. He can't. So is he like a hitman for Homeland Security? He's not. And is she cheating at cards? She notes three-card Monty is always a scam, but people think they can beat the game. Her suggestion, be smart, don't play. Of her past, she notes it all goes back to Konchevsky. She called for help and goons showed up. She knows he's from New York. For Frank's latest revenge plot, she suggests the same thing. Be smart, don't play. The credits show the episode is written by Dario Carpadny and directed by Stacey Passion. Then Turk Barrett. He's locking up for the day and hopping in the car. Frank Castle is in the back. Turk says he's clean as a whistle. Now, anyway. Turk has heard of Konchesky, though, and might be able to get a call. Maybe he'll call the NYPD and the National Guard, though. Frank suggests not and gets sent to a gym in Brooklyn. Frank wants a message delivered, however. There's a man from Chicago that has pictures and the girl. Set it up and then give Frank a call. The next morning, Madani's home, updating Frank about the murder that Billy perpetrated, as well as the idea that Billy may actually be a broken, crazy man. And while they're talking, Amy wonders if Madani could help those pesky Russians, maybe? Madani is all around unhappy and doesn't notice Amy reaching into the agent's purse. Madani leaves, and Amy's got a credit card. In the bathroom, it's makeover time for Amy in Madani's clothes, while, intercut, Frank stalks the Russians. She orders pizza and clothes and, ugh, a Windows computer. Before long, Frank sees Turk entering the Russian gym. He asks for Konchevsky and has info from Chicago. The Russians aren't happy. Konchevsky's died in Chicago. Frank returns to find the shop-happy Amy, who's bought him new black clothes. Frank's not happy with any of it, and, hey, is that Lombardi's pizza? Things aren't looking so bad after all. Frank gets a call, and it's Turk with good info. We see he's still surrounded by the Russians. The call ends, and it sounds like a lie to Frank. Amy posits that there might be a third party involved, just like when she got involved. Frank takes off his cast and heads out. At the gym, he sees cars leave. The Russians assemble at Turk's place, but Frank goes into the gym. There are a lot less goons there, though enough muscle to cause trouble. He immediately is ID'd as the Punisher and denies killing Konchevsky. The muscleheads are told to bring him in alive. He takes them out pretty quickly, though 
Getting hit with barbells helps splatter the borscht. Frank gets bloodied too, though you should see the other guy. Jim Boss Kazan spills the name of Poloznev as the one who wanted the photos. Frank punches Kazan down and hopes he and Turk won't meet again. Elsewhere, Billy dreams of the skull and Madani's having nightmares too. She wakes a gun under her pillow. She slips into her living room, finding a pretty-faced Billy there, fires and awakes for real, a gun under her pillow. Back at Dr. Dumont's apartment, Billy awakens. Dumont has water for him after his nightmare. He starts to spin his wheels and she has him count five blue things in the room. It calms him. She's doing this because it's her job. Why? She defers, having him focus on the moment. He needs more water. She fills his glass, and we see cut marks on her arm. Later, Billy's been snoozing, but the good doctor has bought him some new clothes. He thinks she can't sympathize with his pain. At least she can remember her pain. He showers and overhears a man's voice. It's Jake, a vet, describing the pain inside him. She's got a new metaphor for him, a snake which transforms and sheds its skin to better heal. Here's hoping he continues to go to his vet support group. Cut to that support group. Kurt is setting up. They've got Billy Russo in common and Frank Castle, too. Lucky neither has heard from Frank lately. She'd like for the meeting to be delayed, but he puts his group first. She could even sit in. The men talk about trying to get good at life, army strong then honorable discharge, and dishonorable discharge. Jake's suspicious about Madani the Taurus, but she's seen bad stuff too. She gives back double. She talks about being shot, about holding a corpse, about fighting for something you believe in, but you don't know why. Later, the meeting is over, and it's just her and Kurt. How could anyone come back and carry on? He says greed twisted Billy. She just wishes that Billy could be put behind bars. Billy's behind a new bar, Ordering whiskey and a beer as he grabs a seat next to Jake. They've both earned their stripes. They keep drinking and talk about missing the service, missing their boys. Billy declines a snort of go fast while Jake rants about the baloney that they came back to. Says it's pleasure to meet Billy Russo, sir. Back in Dumont's apartment, she's sipping wine and reviewing her notes on Billy. She opens her curtains and pushes against the glass, only to pull herself back. In his basement, Pilgrim is self-flagellating repeatedly. His children play upstairs, and Eliza is visiting as well. She quotes the word to Pilgrim's wife. The sick woman seems to be losing her strength, though. Anderson, meanwhile, talks to Pilgrim about the man and the girl. Pilgrim's reluctant to go to the dirty city of New York, but things must be done. Eliza joins them. If only they could change the rest of the world. Soon enough. Pilgrim delivers the news to his wife. He won't be gone long. She worries. The last thing in the world that she wants to see is her husband. At Madani's apartment, bloody Frank is back, thumbs up. He's got a name, Nikolai Polaznev. Amy finds him. Polaznev is a top dog in Russian politics and industry. Frank and Amy go for a walk. They're headed to Curtis's place just as Madani arrives home to find an empty apartment. The episode ends with gunfire at the Russian gym, Pilgrim exiting the building. Pete, let's talk villains in the episode, and we must start yet again with Billy. Yeah, and the dichotomy in his fractured character, and I, I say this, no pun intended, the, the moment for me in the episode when he gets 
outed by uh, Jake in the bar there when he clutches the shot glass. He's prepared to kill him. Um, and then what happens? It's the gratification of, you know, oh, pleased to meet you, sir. There's an army of us out there. We, we need somebody to follow. It's the stroking of the ego um, for somebody who's been deconstructed um, to still, again, go down this path. You know, Curtis labels his downfall as greed. And I would say that Curtis is partially correct. If anything, it's the adulation that recognition as a successful soldier turned uh, you know, military contractor brought him. Curtis, I think, is talking about, uh, you know, literal greed, a financial greed. But I think you're absolutely right, Pete. Here we're seeing kind of a, a social greed, a desire to be, you know, to be the, the most liked, the best liked man in the in the room, that kind of thing. And it's definitely a scary moment that he's prepared to kill Jake for recognizing him. Almost just as crazy is that it takes... 15 seconds of praise for him to go from I'm going to kill this man to, you know, welcome aboard. You're now number two on the SS, you know, uh, whatever this is, the SS army of all of us out there. Um, it's, it's quite a moment, even when you factor in, you know, Oh, well it's drama and things need to move a little bit faster. Um, it's quite a turn. Speaking of turns, Pete, Finally, we have an episode where there is some sympathy, at least for me, um, with Pilgrim. I mean, Pete, anytime it's going to be self-flagellation, I think there's a certain level of cut through the noise to communicate to the audience a certain uh, a certain burden that I think most of us cannot quite imagine in terms of expressing your, your guilt in that way. Um, but again, I felt also there was this undercurrent as Eliza and Anderson visit that Pilgrim has a certain rigid set of values and yeah. are those values being manipulated by the more savvy Eliza and Anderson? Clearly. And, you know, there is um, a motif to showing us the, uh, the flagellation going on uh initially not sure when we're seeing it when it's taking place and that it's in real time in their home and what is it for and billy and pilgrim just present though they're both bad and here they're on our list of villains um you know they just present such an interesting um contradiction uh as characters you know, Billy, all about the self, um, Pilgrim manipulating the teachings of uh, the Bible for his own dangerous pursuits. We, on the other end of the spectrum, have Kazan, who I think is completely comfortable being involved in those dangerous pursuits. And uh, Pete, I just don't mean putting another another 20 on the old barbell thing you know i mean all those gym guys those those muscle heads pete it it looked like fantastic geek was in there just with a little extra borscht borscht uh flavoring there but uh kazan willing to 
you know, say, all of you, beat him up, but don't kill him. I mean, that looks exactly like where we work out, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, I love that Turk gets involved in this story. Um, I had actually uh, seen it a couple weeks ago that uh, that um, Rob Morgan was back and just overjoyed. Uh, somebody actually uh, shouted him out like, you're not in this episode that much. This is more Turk than we've gotten in quite some time. And that they even connect it to Luke Cage with the, um, the marijuana shop he had been working out of where the Russians lay in wait for Frank. And obviously he's not stupid enough to go there. Um, but this Kazan, the backstory with the people that hired Amy to take the photo and, you know, culminating in this throwdown in, uh, in the, uh, in the gym was, uh, just really simple, but at the same time, uh, eloquent. Also pretty brutal. I mean, that last guy, the, the bald headed guy with oh, the, with the club it. ears, I mean, they were not shying away from new layer of makeup, squish, new layer of, you know, and kind of adding to the damage, adding to the damage. Um, not for the faint of heart, certainly. Nice reminder that this is the Punisher and not, I don't know, his lesser known sidekick, the Tickler or something like that. Um, but keeping things certainly in the serious realm, Pete, we get Jake, who is uh, in therapy with, uh, with Dr. Dumont. Side question, Pete, it's fine that Dr. Dumont has a psychiatric practice out of her home, home office, whatever you want to call it. Is she really going to have patients over while, you know, Billy is upstairs showering and not even give him a heads up like, hey, you might come down out of the shower wearing only a towel. And yeah, there might be a man down here, but that's because this is my workspace and please stay in the, the living space. Like, I get the need for story to kind of compact things a little bit but billy's not going to get a heads up that uh the the expositionally important jake is down there spilling out his guts about time in the service yeah that didn't exactly flow well um and i okay you want them to meet you want the bridge to be opened up for billy to find this army that uh jake refers to of of disgruntled uh, feeling forgotten veterans, which you can honor the sentiment of their bitterness of their feeling that there is a lack of empathy, empathy for them upon return. That's a real thing. And, you know, that needs to be dealt with for not just this country's veterans, but for all veterans in all countries. But at the same time, this notion that we're going to rise up and, and get the respect we deserve, now you're taking it too far. And this is like with Pilgrim, this is an obvious distortion of something that is good for personal gain. I think if nothing else, it's an opportunity to reflect on that change in perspective. Uh, you know, there's there's reference in the... Uh, Madani's speech while at the support group uh, fighting for something you believe in but you don't know why um, and looking at looking at Jake and, and listening to what you just said Pete I'm reminded you know the the 
occasionally mentioned, uh, you know, former brother-in-law in the family who was in the Marines, went to Iraq, etc. I may have told this anecdote in during season one, but uh, one of the years that he was over there, over there in Iraq, uh, he called home on 9-11, uh, you know, on, on the anniversary of 9-11, not, not 2001, and didn't understand why it was a normal day like schools were open the post office was open it wasn't a day of memorial and remembrance you know this was maybe 2005 something like that 2006 maybe um and i think that was a point where you know we as a nation we were we were as we still do now take the take the pause in the eight o'clock hour and you know maybe wear you know wear something patriotic but we had kind of in terms of it impacting our day, 9-11 had become this thing that was neatly compartmentalized into something that you do for 10 minutes and maybe have a quiet moment of reflection. But it was not, it was not as he perceived it in his fight, in his military experience, in his military sphere. So echoes of that here with Jake not understanding why the country he thought he was fighting for is not as it was envisioned by him in the military, whatever the, the, the basis is. It's difficult. Uh, neither you nor I are veterans, um, and we cannot fully understand. And we thank them for their sacrifice and for their service. But at the same time, you know, there are so many support systems here, Curtis's group, um, therapists, the, the need to do like what Jake is suggesting and then in the hands of someone as brutally dangerous as Billy Russo uh, with an agenda all his own and his own psychological issues that need resolution uh, further makes it clear that this is the wrong path to go down. Well, with all of this discussion so far, we've been cutting pl pretty close to the real world, you know, the, the, the effects of veterans, uh, the, the effect of religious dogma when we think back to Pilgrim. Pete, let's take it now to the crazy world of the comic books. Russians, bad guys, trying to do bad things in this country. What? Did they collude with um, Pilgrim? We'll have to find out, Matt. Certainly by the end of the episode, he's eliminated all ties there. Um, but between all of these thugs in the episode, uh, the promise of a, of a Russian billionaire at the end of this trail in uh, Nikolai Poloznev, and then uh, the, the big bad Russian I like to call Volnamir. Is that the, the guy that gets his face beat in yes he was a he was a he was a scary looking guy before he got weights sent to his head i don't know whether that was a guy who's done a lot of wrestling there on the mats or if that's a guy that you know if that was a makeup job or whatever but uh baldemir uh definitely a scary dude i don't want to say too much pete just in case he comes through the netflix and comes after <laughs> me if, if only my nightmares shades of the uh the uh, Sergeant, um, the mechanic uh, from um, Raiders of the Lost Ark that Indiana Jones gets in the brutal, brutal fight with underneath the, the flying fortress. Yes, absolutely. Well, Pete, let's move on to some theories here. Uh, we get 
suggestions of Dr. Dumont's past, I think the implication being this is a missing piece as to why she's uh, going out on a limb to help Billy. The cuts on her arms Mm -hmm. uh, at first are troubling enough. And then the, I don't want to undersell it, but kind of the curious, the, the not completely understood attraction to the window then she's pushing against it and then you kind of are realizing oh my goodness it's that thin tenuous piece of glass and she pulls back at the last moment what does this all portend i mean this is well what else is visible there there are um military medals on the wall in her apartment which we see for the first time there's also a curious number of masks um and I haven't done a full on dive as far as, you know, is Dumont a comic character? Are they world building for now? If not later, I sent uh, you an article a couple of days ago, Matt, that uh, Steve Lightfoot has publicly floated. He'd like to if he gets a third season for Punisher, which I think we have to handicap strongly against at this point, given the cancellations I'm stunned to this point. We haven't heard that Punisher has been canceled, probably because Netflix is afraid of Frank Castle. But um, that they floated, they'd like to include Daredevil and Kingpin in a third season. So I don't know if they're, you know, still playing around with that or they're just making nice because John Bernthal will come to their Burbank offices with. Uh, barbells and kettlebells. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you gonna cancel me? Yeah. I, it it literally could be either end of the spectrum. It could be oh Netflix is almost there and they they just need a little more you know juice for it, or it could be hey we're playing with house money because everybody knows we're canceled. So why not? Remember, Daredevil was canceled after a third season pitch which is just like the worst form of torture that that um, Eric Olson was allowed to go into a room and pitch them a third season. And then they let him leave and they likely laughed. Ha ha ha. Little does he know we're canceling them. We got this idea now. Great. Let's let's get one of our other people, uh, you know, to we'll change all the details. And uh, that's just it. They're, they're Babylon five again, Pete. They're having the Babylon five guy come in. I mean, I have this idea for a space station and it's like multi-ethnicities and they're getting over the war and there's that the other. All right, J. Michael Skrzynski, whatever it is, Krasinski. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, yeah. Hey, boop, boop, boop. See, Rick in, Berman, in, I have a great idea. Space station show. In Philadelphia, Matt, there is a um, an insurance agent named Drat Drodok, okay, <laughs> and he has a friend named Moggy uh, Relson, and uh, they they have a friend uh, who you know is a lady who does some reporting for the radio. Um, yeah, it just like that that was the worst possible situation imagining being in that room it's stressful enough to pitch if you don't have a show he had what is widely accredited as being one of the greatest seasons if not the greatest season of marvel uh netflix and goes in with that head of steam all this love and 
they allow him to come and pitch that with full knowledge that this was going away. And, you know, I, I just, my heart breaks for him. Hopefully our heart is not breaking for uh Lightfoot very soon. Uh, and, and maybe he gets a chance like Punisher is so different from the others. It could not possibly exist on any of those other streamers at this point. Uh, it, it's too raw for Hulu. We know it's not going to Disney plus. So maybe if Daredevil's going to live on and Fisk can come back, I, I think it would be fitting that, uh, Frank would be the one to bring all of them together given that he was birthed out of Daredevil. Who knows at this point? Who knows? Back to the show, Pete. Uh, back to Pilgrim. Uh, I feel like we unspool his story a little bit. Uh, this notion that maybe he is being manipulated by Eliza and Anderson to put on his red, I mean black hat, for all the wrong reasons. Do you think the show is going to start to head into a direction where he too is a soldier, not in the traditional military sense, but he too is a soldier and part of a larger fight and he's just following orders and maybe the show has us back off on our criticism of him. I do see the soldier aspect, um, but it's that zealot that I think is what scares us the most in him. And Clearly, the Schultzes are involved in some larger conspiracy here with or against uh, Polozanev, and uh, it's it's all heading in that direction. To me, there's this interesting parallel with uh, with Pilgrim, the the good soldier, you know, kind of Pilgrim following orders, and then the idea of Jake as looking for orders, where. I think the show kind of in the background is asking the question, what is your level of responsibility? You know, Pilgrim, it, does he have the wool over his eyes or has he killed all these people because it's him and stop? Same thing with Jake, who's now ready to be part of this army to rise up to reorder things. Is he just a guy looking for leadership or the things that I think Jake is going to be doing in the coming episodes is he solely responsible for that? I don't know that the show has given us an answer. I don't know that I have an answer. Like I said before, there's just so many supports out there for people who are hurting. And you wonder why more people don't avail themselves of them, particularly with veterans. And yes, there have been abuses uh, of, of the VA and there's been scandals and everything like that. But who doesn't in the current age, particularly 9-11 with Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, you know, you and I are too young to have memories of the way that veterans from Vietnam were mistreated when they came back. Um, but look at the public respect that they receive. Um, and, and to see here that it's twisted by an ideology that, you know, well, we're not getting what we want. So we're going to take it because we have the training because we're tough and these people we protect are weak. Again, an obvious distortion. Yeah. That notion that if you're not given the things you want, it's okay to grab it. Pete, what other theories do you have? What 
is up with Madani's dream dovetailing into Billy's? Did Billy dream all of that? I don't think Billy dreamed all that, but it was really an incongruous thing. I noticed even in my recap, you know, sometimes I like to reorder stuff just to keep it with characters as opposed to the, the order that we're given. And it's like this little snippet of Madani by herself. And then this dream within a dream is unusual. Yes, it's inception. But other than that, you, you tend not to see that. Um, you know, maybe it's a horror movie trope, but you don't, you don't generally see that in this kind of narrative. Um, and then kind of, heading over into another nightmare it was a weird presentation maybe it's just meant to be a story stopgap you know she still is here's proof that she's concerned about billy you know she says it but we need to show it um beyond that i don't know what it means amy's larceny from a fed matt goes like really downplayed in an uncomfortable way in this episode um (laughs) Yes, particularly since, you know, Frank Castle's justice might not be my justice, but I understand that he's the anti-hero of the show. And for him to be like, you stole stole all these things. Stealing is bad, particularly from, hey, pizza, Lombardi's pizza, coal-fired? Yes, rah, rah, rah. Um, you're right. And I don't know if we're meant to walk away with it just being like, you know, oh, that rascally kid doing bad. I don't know if we're meant to feel less sympathy for Madani because she has some wealth that she can do without. Um, I know it, it, it read as funny. I know it also was expedition expositional excuse to get a windows laptop um, to, for the purposes of getting information on uh, Polaznev later on in the episode. But yeah, a little bit of a sore thumb there that doesn't quite make sense. How about an IOU with all the receipts and the returned credit card? I mean, she made it like, well, I returned her credit card, but the price of having us in the apartment were all these fine things we're carrying over to Curtis's now. Well, and Pete, I feel like oftentimes when we come up with these little problems, you or I, usually you, suggest the easiest writing solution, which is all you needed to do was include her writing an IOU, like, Look, Frank, I'm leaving her an IOU that says, IOU, you know, $8,000. And later, Madani finds it, picks it up, and you can just go, like, if Madani kind of blows it off, then you're like, all right. Well, I'm gonna, right. At least know. it's it's the it's the attempt. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is why I belong in a TV writer's room, Matt. It's, it's going to happen. Just not for Marvel Netflix. <laughs> Sorry. That's the truth, everybody. Okay. This is the final season of Punisher and more on Netflix. Then we're going to do Jessica Jones in the spring, and that's going to be the final, final ever, and that's never coming back. Uh, hold out, hold out, hope, Matt, and and I'm going to tell you why, because I'm going to yet again pitch another Turk Barrett series. This off his luminous Rob Morgan's return to the Punisher here in season two. Okay, let's hear it. Fire away, Pete. We've we we had Brett before. We've got Barrett back here now. I've I've pitched that separately that that would be its own show, okay? But you know, give me an eight episode limited series, Turk Barrett. You know, you could run it like the uh, the the short treks. You know, it could be something to to bide that two year gap 
between, you know, using Daredevil and, and all those characters again, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, uh, where he runs into all of these villains. He's going to run into Kingpin. He's going to run into uh, Dex. He's going to run into all of them uh, here, like with the Russians. And he's had dealings with all of them. Give me that in eight episodes, 15 minutes a clip. Let me write it. Turk Barrett's rogues gallery. There you go. Turk, Turk Barrett's bad guys. There you go. Maybe have a Barrett's bodybuilders episode. Ooh, there, there, there you go. Um, but on the reel here, back to Madani, you talked about, um, you know, her, her state and the way that she, uh, you know, gets the pile of, of bills here in the credit card and, and doesn't get upset. It's kind of an air of resignation between her share at the meeting when she went to go see Curtis and the discussion afterward. I have a couple things. First off, what was up with her share? We know that certainly she is an able agent. And I think that I think if nothing else, it was an opportunity for her, maybe the show, to kind of remind everybody that the most difficult parts of military service, uh, particularly in this modern world of, you know, embedded this and kind of, you know, CIA that and contractors and, and, and et cetera, that the worst of military service in terms of losing people, taking lives, wounds terrible things that that's not limited to you know army air force marines and navy uh th that it's it's these other people too that are part of the the security apparatus did you detect and curtis mentioned in the previous episode you know he's got a lady friend now did you detect a little bit of chemistry from him and madani i think only the chemistry of of two people who have a secret. The secret is that they know way more about the Punisher than they're supposed to, than they can admit. I think it was just kind of more that, you know, hail well-met fellow, uh, fellow battler and not that she's the lady friend, although that would make things very interesting. Oh, no, I wasn't implying that she was, but now that he's got a girlfriend and he's meeting her. They didn't know one another. Um, cause she had questioned when she saw him put the gun away, um, bringing it to the, uh, the meeting there to protect himself. What with Billy out there and, you know, let's not forget what happened with Lewis Wilson and everything like that in season one. Um, so I was not implying, uh, she's the one, but could this be a romance that sparks, you know, even though he's met this other lady. Well, Pete, I think that it's it's a long shot theory, but it certainly is one to watch. What other theories are on your list? Dumont's injury or injuries. I still maintain she is limping um, when she walks. Uh, that we see now she is a soldier. It's never been spoken in these episodes. And this curious interest slash revulsion with the window and heights it seems 
I continue to have a greater and greater appreciation for the character, greater and greater appreciation for the actress. I think that in her earliest episodes, there was maybe the slightest veneer of of something a little coquettish, a little, you know, kind of cutesy about her. But each episode, it's like, it seems that it's a little less, a little less, particularly as she's making these morally questionable decisions. And then to see her at this low point, you know, we had discussion last episode about being your best self. Here she has a moment, I won't say it's her worst self, but she has a moment of of something that's far from ideal. And it's like, here we are out of the blue, Pete. I kind of, I came to punish her for like, he's going to do bad things to worse people. And, uh, you know, there might be some awesome fist fights or fist fights with barbells along the way. Or I'm not really a gun guy, but if you have to machine gun down a whole bunch of baddies, it'll be cool. And instead, we're off on this really interesting compelling tangent with dumont in terms of her past what pains her what can what can do that to someone and you know it's the opposite of netflix bloat i want to enter this middle third of the uh of the show getting to know her more and then this polozanev um friends with the russian president all right no joke no wink here i give the writer of the episode, Dario Carpidne, credit. I give Steve Lightfoot credit. I give Marvel TV, Netflix, the whole infrastructure. They just could have been like, look, uh, we're trying to have a presence in Russia or, you know, even if they're not or whatever it might be. Do we really want to poke the bear here, poke the Russian bear? Can we just say he's well connected in the Russian government? The show nonetheless went for it. I think that it's a... It is a sad yet knowing wink to all this going on in our world, uh, or, or at least, you know, to whatever degree, <laughs> some of the local stuff, some of the domestic stuff transfixes and, and is crossed with Moscow. Um, that was a heck of a line to make, and definitely for anybody who's in the know that regardless of whether you're a red state, blue state, purple state, whatever, there's lines being crossed from outside this country into this country, uh, it was a reminder that this Poloznev is is bad news. Well, Pete, let's check the old mailbag to see what people are saying about the Punisher. And uh, Pete, it's a particularly timely one, if that's my correct understanding. Yes, a review was left for us on iTunes by Dr. Strange Lover, who's left a number of reviews across our uh, podcast on iTunes. The headline is Right on Target five stars and it reads like Pete and Matt. I did not expect I would enjoy the Punisher so much, so much. I've listened to fantastic geeks podcast of the Punisher several times. They do it all. Well, kind words there. Thank you so much for those kind words. And hopefully Pete that inspires some other listeners who are listening to us on iTunes as so many do to leave us a quick review. Pete, for those listening on an iPhone right now, it's super simple. You can just like scroll down while you're listening and leave a review while it's there. Super simple. And we would love to add some reviews there. It helps spread the word about Fantastic Geek and this podcast in particular. And uh, the love always appreciated. Really takes seconds. And, uh, you know, we have 15 podcast feeds and, uh, over the summer, we had suffered a little bit of digital vandalism. Somebody went around and left a bunch of uh, review lists, one-star ratings. And uh, 
we had to rally the troops and uh, get them to overcompensate for that, get us back where we belonged. But anytime you leave a rating, you leave a review, you help us. We would hope that you're enjoying what you're listening to and you, you give us a little feedback on that. But if you don't, you know what? That's just as welcome, if not wrong. <laughs> well, Pete, always in the right are those helping us out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keeping the podcast afloat with its costs that do accrue throughout the year. So we, of course, want to say thanks to them. Yes, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content and all sorts of levels past that. So you make this possible. Thank you, patrons. Pete, the best gift, though, is to talk to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,317 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today well pete we will be back on wednesday to talk more punisher friday as well uh, a new star trek discovery hitting the airwaves or internet waves or whatever on thursday slash friday depending on where you live on the globe and of course a new discovery podcast this saturday so loving having one foot in uh, the 23rd century the other in the mcu with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You want to talk now? 